0: What makes for a good writing workshop? The answer is less complicated than you might think. I'm Steph from Heinemann, and on this week's episode, Heinemann author and Classroom Essentials series editor Katie Woodray spoke with Katherine Bomer and Corinne Ahrens, co-authors of A Teacher's Guide to Writing Workshop Essentials, the latest book in the Classroom Essentials series. They discuss how in the mad dash to switch to remote learning, Teachers can feel overwhelmed looking for the best online tools to help them teach. While any resource is a welcome one in these uncertain times, Catherine and Corinne want to remind teachers of the core principles that make for a good writing workshop that are always accessible to you no matter where you are. Time, choice, and response.
1: Catherine and Corinne, good morning, Good morning. Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk to you this morning about your newly released book in the Classroom Essentials series, A Teacher's Guide to Writing Workshop Essentials. Congratulations to you both on having it
2: out in the world. Thank you. Thank Thank you, Katie. (laughs) And thank you so much for your guidance through the series, the Classroom Essentials series. We're book number four. Yes. Yeah. It's just very exciting. And of course, it's hard to
1: ignore that. Uh, Your book is coming out, being released into a a pretty uncertain world uh, for all of us, for teachers, for students. And I don't think it's a world we uh, could have imagined when we started this process almost, I think, two years ago now. We first started talking about the idea of this book and working towards it. But as I've been revisiting the book in the past few days, I've been thinking a lot about how fitting. It is for this time that we're in because it seems to me like holding on to the two or three things we know for sure is like having an anchor in when things seem so, you know, in motion all the time and you're just trying to hang on. And um, that's really what this book feels like to me. It feels like it is an anchor in an uncertain time because it is so focused on what is really essential time choice response which is actually part of the title too i just realized i didn't say that so i'm wondering if the two of you could talk a little bit about that too here your book you know comes out in the middle of this unbelievable place we're in and how are you seeing it right
2: now in the middle of all of this may i just start to say that our thoughts are with everyone right now everyone who's sheltering in place we hope that you're feeling well and keeping safe with your loved ones. That's number one. We all know. And number two <laughs> is, I think, um, Corinne and I have both talked several times in the last couple weeks about how our book is really reminding us that less is more. Keep it simple. You know, all the things that we constantly hear um, and are told on when in self care uh, websites and stuff. And yet now we're being sort of forced to slow down and keep it simple and, and less is more. And so I uh, oddly that feels like the book exactly addresses that.
3: I couldn't agree more. And I'm sheltered in place with my two children of whom I'm trying to mother and teach at the same time. And even though I have a background in education, it's really nice to have clarity to help guide me through this on just like Katie said i mean i i think that beautiful metaphor of it being an anchor is really giving me solace with i'm just literally inundated with online resources and then next cutest thing and best thing and how many times i should be clicking on this and that and the other for my children and what they gravitate mostly to is when i just let them be and have them choose what they're working on in our now homeschool, <laughs> and it really—I mean, I like your word
1: "simple," um, Catherine. Too that—that that it just really does make it simple. And you know, growing particularly as a writer is just not that complicated, right? Can you let's talk a little bit about that? What is what is the simplicity? Talk a little bit about this time, choice, and response, and particularly again in this moment of time, and how, in a way we're in the perfect time for for teachers and parents and children to experience the power of that simplicity.
2: Right. Well, so we must say that these words, time, choice, and response, um, we did not make those words up. (laughs) Those those are not ours. These are foundational principles of the writing workshop, the structure that goes back to the uh, late 70s and into the 80s, um, founded on the work of Don Graves and Lucy Calkins and Donald Murray, and, and there are many names to name, but those are the big three in my mind, who formulated this structure around the question, what do writers need? So they researched children in, in classrooms. Um, they asked professional writers. Donald Murray was a professional writer and a journalist, and they asked the question, what do writers need? And when they over and over and over noticed that the answers were, well, writers need some scheduled time in uninterrupted in order to focus on the task at hand. They needed to be able to write about what they want to write about. I mean, all, most professional writers have absolute freedom of what to write about and how to write it and even what genre to write in and they need, obviously, someone to read it. I mean, write, you know, writing is difficult. And so if there's not someone at the other end of your project, it feels quite lonely and strenuous to be, to be writing. So writers need to have to know that they're writing for someone, um, for, for readers or for an audience. And those are just foundational to this project of being a writer. And so that's how, those are the foundations that we decided when we started this book was let us take a Back to that because um, classrooms in schools in the United States have gotten so complicated that it just feels like, you know, more and more curriculum gets complicated. And we wanted to bring it back to why, you know, what do writers really need? Not more, 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 but really just these three big ideas.
1: Right. So, and, and, you know, if you think about it right now, like Corinne, your kids at home, they're sitting there and you've got lots of time, right?
3: (laughs) Yes yeah, it's plenty um, of
1: time right now <laughs> um you know you can respond you can uh, if they're not inside a program they can they can choose whatever they want to write about and it's it's actually just kind of a perfect setting to really explore what happens when kids have just time choice and response right
3: It absolutely is and you know and I also see teachers in their own, their own work behind their computer screens, these three principles are also benefiting them. And, And some of them are struggling a bit in terms of how to use the time, which we see that within classroom with kids, and we teach into that. You know, Now I've got this time, and how do I discipline myself within it to stay at the task at hand? But our teachers behind the screen, when you say that they're missing something, it's the response from the children that they're missing the most, which just reiterates just how important authentic loving response is to us as human beings you know no matter what our work let me ask you 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 to this like
1: what's the simplest way to just invite children to write like what do you say to children to just you don't need many supplies i don't think you don't even have to have a computer you could just some paper something to write with if you have a older kids have a computer they could use it but like how do you
2: just invite kids to write like what does that sound like actually well let's um Let's think about what that looks and sounds like in, in a classroom, and let's think about what it looks and sounds like at home. So, since Corinne, since you have, are lucky, blessed to have two, two children, and not only um, two children, but two children with a, a, an age spread. Um, I know Corinne's children, and I've actually taught both of them at the same time. And now Corinne is also teaching them at the same time. So so what it's like to have a five-year-old and a, tw- and a help me, 11? Almost 11, yeah. Almost 11-year-old yep. uh, in one space. You know, if you think about it through a sort of a teacher lens, you think, how could you possibly do that? I'm, I am a fifth-grade teacher. I wouldn't know how to begin with a five-year-old, right? So um, why don't you talk into how you invite your kids who are these completely different ages into the writing world?
3: Well... I love the word invite because that's exactly what it is. We I we offer up in our home we have just invitations to write. So whether those are scraps of paper, those are inviting, more inviting to my daughter right now because the world is her oyster, whereas Jude knows himself a little bit more as a writer and so he leans more on his notebook and he loves to write about his cat. He's finding a lot of comfort in his cat. So whether that be a flip book, poetry, but it's really just the invitation to discover and to spend time together. So I think, um, and now, you know, there's times that they RSVP know. <laughs> they say, no, thank you. Um, <laughs> and so we, then we teach into that, that you might not know yet what to write. But this is what I'm doing today. Do you want to join me? And so often they just do, you know, let's let's write a letter to grandma today. We have some stamps. Would you like to join me? Sure. So I thank you for that word of invitation, because I really do feel like that is so what it is.
2: Well, good. Then let's just build on that word invitation, because it is to me exactly the same in the classroom. So just picturing day one, first day of school, um, Ariel Johnson has a gorgeous tweet out this morning about what is the first, you know, what is the beginning of school going to look like again in August after all this? Are we going to disaggregate data? Well, guess what? We can't because the tests, thank goodness, have been canceled. (laughs) So instead, are we going to actually think about our the actual human beings who are coming into our classrooms. I mean, please check out Ariel Johnson's tweet this morning and retweet yes, I it. Yes, it is beautiful. Uh, so beautiful. Um, so day one in a classroom, and let's just picture August, 2020, and and uh, you know, please uh, let's hope that we are all back to our jobs that we chose because we love to teach and we're back in our classrooms with human beings that we love and we say, guess what? <laughs> in this classroom, this year, you are going to be able to write, and you're going to be able to write all kinds of things. You, you know, we're going to write poetry, we're going to write plays, we're going to write essays, we're going to write podcasts. I don't, we don't even know yet what what all we're going to write. It's whatever you want to write, and here are all the materials you can choose from. I mean, in classroom does have the benefit, hopefully, of having um, more options even than maybe a home could have. You know, all kinds of variety of paper and markers and paint and art supplies and and say, what can we create together? And then and this is where now the word trust comes into it because we have to trust that our children, and when we're in the classroom, we may have anywhere from 18 to, to 30, depending on where you teach. Uh, we have to trust that all those kids can go out into the classroom space and, and choose something to work with and something to write on and have something to write about. And Don Graves said, famously you know children will write if we let them so again trusting that if we just invite them and say what do you want to write about i don't know anything what you know and please let me just insert here while it may seem like an obvious thing to write about <laughs> what we've been what we're going through right now as a as a globe uh with this with the pandemic um i i'm just not encouraged by thinking about writing about the pandemic, you know, like, where were you? What did you do? What, how did you spend your time at home? I mean, that would be not necessarily what children want to think about or write about. So the invitation has to remain totally open-ended. What do you want to write about? Anything you want to write about. And then let's do it.
1: For some kids, maybe the invitation is also like, what do you want to make? With writing, I'm thinking about my nephew. I facetimed with my nephews uh, yesterday evening and my, I've got a nephew who's in second grade and he's just taken off as a reader this past few months and he loves graphic novels. That is his thing now. And we sit around when I'm with him, we, he reads them to me and we look up the authors online and read their bios. And, you know, the whole idea of AJ why don't you make a graphic novel? You know, you've got plenty of time. Here's some paper, have at it. And, you know, the idea that kids could um, enter the club of people who make the kinds of things they like to read because, you know, I mean, he's not always actually even encouraged to read, unfortunately, his graphic novels at school, but he devours them at home. But um, why not make one right now, you know? And uh, so I think sometimes the making, I want to make one of those is a powerful invitation for kids too, because he loves to make stuff. So
2: Yes, that's a great reminder, especially for our, our youngest children. That So questions often in, in pre-K and kindergarten teachers' minds are, can my children write when they don't necessarily know letters and sounds? And we must give a big shout out to, yes, you can. <laughs> we have samples in our book, including one from Corinne's little Daughter, when she was four, right, Corinne? Yeah. Um, piece of writing where she, where it has everything that we say writers have: she, um, choice, intention. She knew exactly what she was doing. She labels parts of this creature that she's made. She knows that she's writing to someone. So the word "make" is very important to keep in mind with our youngest writers.
1: You know, and that one of the things that I wanted to comment on, which has kind of already come up, but you look at this book and the the student writing in it is stunning. It's gorgeous in it. And there's such a range of writing from very young children all the way up to, you know, very sophisticated essays that fifth graders have written. And, um, you know, there may, some people may say, and you alluded to this earlier when you were talking about Corinne's kids and the difference in their ages. Some people might think, how could a book you know, really address these issues K to five. But it seems to me that your argument is that time choice and response doesn't matter whether you're five or 55. That's what you need as a writer, as it would we- Or 95. Or 95. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's really, it really is an ageless sort of set of essentials, right?
2: Well, that's what I fell in love with um, when I went to Teachers College Reading and Writing Project as a student, Katie, and I studied with Lucy Hawkins, And I didn't, at that point, didn't know Lucy Calkins. um I was going to get my degree in teaching English literature, you know, but I met Lucy Hawkins and, and she, and read The Art of Teaching Writing. And that was the book that just um, slayed me. Is that the correct? Pr- uh, slay- it just, yes, uh, changed my life. And where she said, this is, you know, how writers write, and this is what writers need. And I thought, and I was a writer, I can't, I, at the time, I had already been a professional writer. And I said, I didn't know you could bring the same things that I need as a grown up to the classroom to children. And so that changed everything and um, changed my whole career. But so that it is exactly an ageless. These are ageless foundational concepts. Yeah, uh, time, choice and response. Yes.
3: And I would like to add to that to say that when, um, Catherine, your life was changed, and then you brought your life-changing work to my district, and one of the most powerful things that we did throughout the past, what has it been, seven or eight years now, is our Summer Writing Institute, where teachers are the students. They learn about the, pro- the writing process, and we are breaking down the barriers of these feelings of, I can't. And I don't know how, so therefore that's the subject area that gets shortchanged in my classroom, or I lean on other people to make decisions that I don't believe I can make myself. And that has just absolutely transformed the writing instruction in our classrooms because teachers now have lived it. Many of us that were in school at the same time were not taught in this way, and so therefore this new learning has given us different tools to teach our kids. and the authenticity brings so much excitement and engagement. And I just can't speak enough about that and the power that that you've brought to our district. So thank you for that.
2: Well, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, but yes, let me just say that back to the question, Katie, of of how do we invite kids to write? There's nothing more alluring and authentic feeling than being an adult who is one who writes and can say to kids, I'm a writer, you're all writers, let's write together.
1: I'm just thinking about those those summer institutes. You've invested so much time and energy into those. and, And probably one of the biggest outcomes of that is that teachers really, when they have time, choice, and response themselves, as writers, they come to deeply understand how much those things
2: matter, right? Absolutely, right. exactly, exactly, absolutely. Yes, yeah. The teachers, the teachers I've worked with in um, Blue Springs, that's the district in Missouri that Corinne is an instructional coach. They talk about this time in the summer institute being um, <laughs> their time. You know, therapeutic. Um, I mean, I, I won't go on with all the, <laughs> the adjectives they've used to describe it, but it's just so moving to me to watch adult people who have not considered necessarily considered themselves writers before and now look forward to this time in the summer when they can have again that uninterrupted they know that they know what they're going to get now when they come they're going to get uninterrupted time they're going to be able to talk to each other about their writing and to me when I confer with them about their writing and they're going to be able to choose what they want to write about and work through all the decisions that writers make all the choices and decisions we have a couple pages in the book that list all the different kinds of choices and decisions that writers make in the course of a a piece of writing. And they're kind of, you know, wow, you look at it, and you say, my goodness, I hadn't even thought of that, that of course, that is what writers need to decide. So you you can't know that unless you have done it, you know, and so that is magical when teachers do their own writing, and then show that to kids and talk from the place of I am one who writes, and here's what I do.
3: Yes, and they have such feelings of acceptance which then allows them to take risks and you know I'm saying when I say they I mean children and I mean adults, right? When you know that you're going to receive response that is beyond and deeper and more meaningful than a grade, it really you crave that. We as humans we crave to be heard and to be to know that we feel validated in whatever feelings that we're, we're having and that we have words to share with the world. Partly what this is making me think about is that you've replicated sort of in your
1: local area. The, the powerful thing for many years that the National Writing Project has offered teachers, right? It's, that, it's a very similar model. Yep, that's exactly it. S-I, that's has yep. transformative for so many. It also gets me thinking about some people may be interested in how, you know, this is a first time co-authorship for the two of you. So some people may be interested in how this project came to be and how you
2: came to work t- together. Um, and it grew out of that collaboration, correct? Absolutely. Um, We just, I I mean, I can't say enough how blessed I am to have met Corinne Ahrens. She is extraordinarily brilliant and kind and funny and delightful and supportive. Oh, gosh, you're making (laughs) me
3: blush, Catherine. Oh, my God. Um,
2: But- For me to have worked in her district for a number of years was also a gift because that doesn't often happen in in my life as an independent consultant. Uh, And isn't that the the nature of education, professional development, where it's someone comes in for one day and teachers sit and listen to someone pontificating and then is supposed to turn around into the classroom and make something happen. But instead, in Corinne's district with the uh, leadership of Dr. Annette Segoe, who believes in long-term professional development, um, this really visionary idea that it takes time and repeated practice. And so to be able to go back a number of times and to notice that here's a place where this magic work can happen, this, coming back to these foundational concepts of time choice and response is actually happening here and working, and we can see the success of it at, over time. And then to know that Corinne is the one who is my sort of change agent, right? As soon as I do get back on an airplane and and come back home, Corinne is the one who turns it around in her district and is supporting all the um, 13 elementary schools and more. And so out of all that work over time and the relationship that she and I built came this idea of this book. I mean, after being and also um, having the, the idea come up with you, Katie, of a possible book for the Classroom Essentials series, I said, my goodness, out of everyone I know in the world, I couldn't have picked a more perfect person than Corinne Aarons to be my co-author. And so it's really this this working together Taking both of us taking constant notes about what's happening in her district, collecting writing samples from across these thirteen elementary schools from a variety of contexts, K to five, for pre K to five, across uh, you know the context of teachers and coaches, three different schools that we filmed for the videos in our book, and again you can see the, the variety of contexts in the videos across K five, and most powerfully in the videos, watching teachers and students in all kinds of contexts with all different kinds of teaching and learning styles. And so out of all that mix, uh, sort of building this, this collaborative project uh, that ultimately became the book.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Corinne, I wanted to ask you, I, I mean, I, I can just imagine that it's so exciting to have this book that you can put in the hands, particularly of, of new teachers, uh, early career teachers who you're shepherding into this work. But it occurs to me that this book has a lot to offer really experienced teachers, too. And I just I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how you see this book supporting the teachers,
3: teachers across a wide spectrum of experience with with teaching writing. Thank you for that question, because I um I'm so excited and feel just re-energized with this certain chunk of teachers within my district that are like, oh, Thank goodness this is coming out so I can just get back to what I know, what my gut is telling me to be true about writing instruction. And I can clear out some of this clutter. You know, it's like emptying your cookies on your computer. It's getting back to that idea of fewer things. And Ellen Keene also worked in our district for a long time. And I learned so much of what I know about so many things from ellen and one of the things she always said was a fewer things of great imports over a long period of time and like that yeah and that's just seared into my heart and this book honors that and it validates that and our teachers are craving that there are more and more things put on their plates and more and more decisions to be made and so i think that this resource just feels like coming back home to them you know they they get to honor those good instinctual gut feelings that teachers have, you know, the great teachers, you know, in your heart, what feels right for kids, but then to have something that validates those feelings, I think is going to be um, really refreshing and um, rejuvenating.
0: Our thanks to Katie, Catherine, and Corinne for their time today. Their book is available now from Heineman.com. Follow Katie on Twitter at Katie Wood Ray, Catherine at Catherine Bomer, and Corinne at aarons corinne learn more at blog.heinemann.com
1: the heinemann podcast is a production of heinemann publishing it is produced and edited by steph george sound mixing by steph george our creative producer is lauren Audette, and our executive producer is me brett whitmarsh to learn more about the heinemann podcast visit blog.heinemann.com
2: thanks for listening